Happy Tuesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And we're talking some more about, uh, gosh, a bunch of guys in a room uh, trying to figure out how to keep the, how to get the ship home without running out of, uh, not gas, but uh, juice. And uh, it's uh, never, never a dull moment in this in this room. They're they're talking about uh, how how little power they have. It's just it's just amazing. I mean, you think about. I mean, we we don't think about it at home, but I think in our one of the things that these people didn't have as a as a reference point was it's like having your phone, you know. And when you're when you've got your phone on and you've got your uh, you've got your uh, Wi-Fi turned on or your Bluetooth, and you're trying to save your phone power. You start going in and shutting off all your different apps, and you're like, "Don't run the map because the GPS takes up a lot of." You start, start <laughs> thinking that way when you're when you're far away from a plug. So I think uh, using that uh, that 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 uh, iPhone uh, motif would have been nice, but of course they didn't have that in 1970. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just running running it uh, as long as you can. And but this was an extreme version of that. I mean, we had a you had to keep the fans going to keep the air circulating, but everything else, yeah, you know, you couldn't turn on the navigation. Navi- like, like, you know, and now as then, navigation took up a lot of a lot of space. Keeping those gyros running, keeping all the uh, uh, the inertial uh, uh, systems running, took up a lot of power. So they they had to talk about all that. Um, it I th- and the the fellow playing John Aaron here makes a good makes good points about why you know why they have to do this, why they have to get rid of. Uh, so much stuff running, and uh, and I think Gene Kranz showing how he listens to you know you make your case, and then Gene Kranz processes it and uh, says yes or no, and he you know he accepts the uh, these people that that are that have studied the issue more than he has, so he'll go with you know if, if that's the deal then we'll go with that. Although yeah, one of the things he mentioned to me was that he he didn't believe in micromanaging. And he said the the people that were on my team were the best people in their areas, and if that I if I would micromanage them, we'd never leave the launch pad, let alone go to the moon. Yeah. So when well, one that, of them gave me words that that this is what the deal was, he goes, I just accepted it. That and that's that whole idea of you know having everybody write on their on their blackboards, tough and competent. That you were you made your case and you didn't mince words. You told them exactly what would happen if, you know, if they didn't follow your words, but you were also competent that he could trust you to say, this is the deal and, you know, believe it. And so he went with that. Although for dramatic pauses in this movie, when, when he's saying we're running out of time and then Ed Harris just kind of leans into it for five or six seconds, you're like, come on, <laughs> let's go, buddy. So, that cost us uh, power just now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could have toasted a, a loaf of bread, but we wait. Yeah. So, um, I uh, and the other the other side of this, um, the the big thing at the I mean, I, I hate jumping to the end so quickly, but uh, I, I like to talk a little bit more about the the subject we're going to bring up uh, now is when uh, Gene Kranz goes through this thing about you know we're gonna 
we're going to follow the uh, I want to follow the cotton crops back to the people that made the space suits and you know find out who it was that that um, you know planted the cotton seed and it, you know the, the, this thing where he's going back but that's uh, people who are not in the aviation business may not realize it but that is pretty close to what uh, what it's like working in the in the you know airframe construction business of knowing every last little bit of genealogy for every piece on your on your aircraft. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that. Um, one of my earlier jobs in aviation was working on medical helicopters, and my first job in the medical helicopter uh, company uh, was actually uh, just that. I was a link in the chain of uh, the control of helicopter parts, and these were both uh, return-to-flight items like um, bolts that were made uh, to handle high stress, uh, you know, to not glamorous things like can to paint thinner um but every person who handled these sensitive parts for example uh um you know a, a bolt each bolt actually had a serial number and had a tag on it and when that tag would get to me i would have to sign for it uh i would be on a long list of people who had handled this bolt uh i would date it and and then I would have to in a computer system put it into our inventory until we used it, and then a mechanic would come and sign it out, and then it would go and get installed on the aircraft, and then in the aircraft logbook it would be noted that this bolt serial number or whatever got installed in this specific aircraft and is in there now. So literally from the production line all the way through the logistics shipping to the time that it got put into the helicopter, you could actually see who had it. Um, kind of amazing when you think about it, but uh, those some of these really sensitive parts, uh, and, and it, you know, and it, on the surface it seems silly because it's like, well, what could happen to this bolt? You know, it, even if you dropped it on the floor, that's nothing big, right? Well, you never know. Uh, but now, because of this this positive control over this item, you know, you could pull in a room of ten people together and say, all ten of you handled this bolt and it failed. Let's figure out why. Yeah. And uh, and somewhere in that group of ten people. You might expose whether it was stored incorrectly, whether it was, you know, dropped or, or you know, God knows what. But it was yeah. very interesting to see that uh, you could trace it right back to the assembly line floor. And I can only imagine just about everything on the Apollo program would probably uh, fall into that category. Well, I, I remember working in um, – when I worked for British Aerospace at uh, at their Wharton facility, which is where they build the, uh, the RAF uh, Tornados, um, these, you know, beautiful, beautiful ships – uh, the uh, uh, the the aviation uh, authority there would have uh, you know a complete we, you'd have to keep complete records of every bolt and every like you said every screw every bolt every little piece um, and when they were when they were building a newer ship the pieces the the, uh, the tags these little string tags would hang off the bolts and you'd go. You yeah, could, yeah. you'd see it, and it looked like there was some kind of a. It looked like confetti. They were all over. You know, you go into the ship, <laughs> into the ship, and you look inside the, uh, the instrument panel was covered with little pl- paper tags with all numbers on it that you could follow each one. And then when the, uh, when the aviation authority came through, they that was the only time they were allowed to remove the tags was after the aviation authority certified. You know, they looked at the at their checklist and said, "This is correct." Now, you know, we'll, we're going to put that. And they'd take the tag and staple it onto a file uh, for that aircraft, and they'd have bags of bags of these tags stapled 
in in folders for you know it might take a single aircraft might take up an entire um, uh, a drawer in a in a file cabinet of nothing but certification tags, um, and you had to you had to hang on to those for um, I believe it was uh, it wasn't ten it was the life of the aircraft as long as the aircraft was in service you still had to keep hang on to all those tags, so uh, yeah if and you know I I think testament to that is how whenever you hear of an air crash or any kind of a failure like that. It makes the papers because it is so rare because it is one of the safest ways to travel. All of these things are carefully known. And when you, you know, it's like if, if some kind of a recall comes back, if they use the wrong um, type of steel or wrong alloy when they were making a particular bolt, they can go in, look at all those numbers. And thanks to computers, you can cross-reference all these things. You can look at every type of aircraft that has that particular bolt go in and replace it and then know that they've all been replaced because that's all there were um it and it, it it sounds a little ridiculous when you're watching the movie saying you know, i want to find everybody who's ever known every, anything about this but you with with the paperwork that's out there and available you could do something like that if you needed to you know the one that always uh, so crash investigation is always kind of uh, mesmerized me in a way it's, it's like a combination of Discovery Wings and Law or uh, Law and Order SVU or something like yeah. that. But uh, um, the one that always sticks out with me is years ago in Chicago. There was a, I think it was a DC-10 that chucked its number one engine. Oh, right on, on yeah, right in O'Hare. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know they were able to track all of the data from that crash back to the number one engine, back to when the number one engine was changed, back to which forklift was used to discover that that forklift had a hydraulic leak and that they were shortcutting the the way to install that engine and that by doing that with the forklift that had a leak in the hydraulic system they had actually misbolted the the engine basically onto the pylon and that was what caused the failure wow and i mean so it was just amazing that through all this tracking they were able to track down Literally, it all back to a forklift with leaky hydraulics and them shortcutting the the proper way to put an engine on the left wing, and uh, it, that all goes back to that record keeping. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's just an amazing and, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of this record keeping came from having failures. I'm trying to trying to track down what was causing the problem. I mean, whether it was something huge like the uh, the original uh, uh, British aircraft, the, the Meteor where it turned out to be metal fatigue and, and tracking down what types of alloys were used in building the airframe uh, to things like uh, the first uh, the, the first uh, uh, DC-10 crashes that were uh, attached to a bad f- uh, freight door, uh, the, the way that the freight doors were sealed, um, and finding out that it's, you know, the wrong kinds of wrong kind of gaskets to be used uh, for, for, for the freight doors. Wow. It's, uh, you know, it, but out of tragedy, you get... Yeah, much safer, safer equipment. And there's I mean, a great I, movie about this. Have you ever seen the old Jimmy Stewart movie, No Highway in the Sky? Yes, yes. It's great, great movie about uh, you know the engineer going at it, trying to figure out where this uh, cause of this cra- these crashes are coming from. See, I thought I thought you were going to drop uh, Fate as the Hunter. That was. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. Well, that's a good movie too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing with uh, I know we're going to go way off way off target. Well, we're talking about we're talking about flying and uh, and and movies, so this is okay. Uh, so, but uh, Fate is a Hunter. They didn't want to they didn't want to attach any blame to any particular uh, airline, so they came up with this really wacky looking uh, uh, plane 
uh, I forget what the name of the company was that they that that was the plane. But it was just you're like, wait a minute, what kind of an aircraft is that? But it was just <laughs> this goofy looking plane that. Uh, uh, just uh, spoilers that you can turn it off now if you don't. The, the spoilers was that it it turned out there wasn't a uh, lip seam around the, uh, uh, the the panel in the center center console and uh, spilled coffee had uh, caused uh, uh, engine out uh, fire warnings on the uh, on the plane so that they crashed because uh, coffee had shorted out the uh, the fire control system. Jeez. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it's a great film. I, I, if you really want to think about uh, aircraft investigations and stuff, Fate of the Hunter is a is a great little little syrupy melodrama, but a great film about how to how to uh, snoop through figuring out what went wrong on an aircraft. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, and you know, as a result, we're talking you know here in Apollo thirteen, uh, it was a it was a near tragedy, but a lot of things came out of Apollo thirteen. Uh, NASA revamped a lot of ways they did stuff, and they beefed up thanks to you know where, where they found out what was going wrong with the uh, with the dropped uh, pressure container. Uh, they did a lot more research onto what else was going on that was wrong in other systems. And, you know, as a result, 14 through, uh, well, through Skylab and into Apollo Soyuz, they never had a, a problem like this ever again. Um, and it, you know, again, testament to how much, if you follow, if you follow the procedures and you make sure that you know what's going on and, and do careful record keeping and look at those records, um, you can very, you know, easily, not easily, you, you can very thoroughly remove the, uh, the guesswork on it. This is, it, it, when they say it's not rocket, it, this is what rocket science is, at least the app applied rocket science <laughs> is, is knowing, knowing what, you know, what to do and what, to, you know, how to, how to get, get away from the unknown. Um, well, that, that's all I can think of for this minute. This is a, I mean, it's a great, I, I do like watching people writing with, one of the things that kind of dates this for me is watching people write with chalk. The only people I know currently that write with chalk are my granddaughters. So <laughs> on the sidewalk. On the sidewalk, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah drawing big circles, you know, or, or tracing uh, your shadow on the, sun hits it but uh, that's... yeah the chalk industry must have uh, really taken a hit <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know there must be a lot of unemployed people in dover <laughs> Man, and what do you do like you know when i was a kid you got to you know if you were actually selected you got to go and sponge down the chalkboard and help the teacher at the end of the yeah. day like what do you do now i guess yeah, uh you wipe off your... wipe off the white the whiteboard it's, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. hardly exciting yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know the, the, the time marches on, and you know these kids today they don't, they think that you can't write on the walls anymore with chalk. So. Well, let me you know let me say one thing that they were since we're talking about this uh, funny story Gene told me when they were restoring mission control that um, the observation part of it, like the observation room that's attached to mission control, yeah, uh, has sort of like theater seating in it, and. Um, he said that when they were doing the restoration, the kids would come in and take a look at it, and the chairs had built-in uh, what the kids thought were iPhone holders. Oh, and they were they were ashtrays. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. And he said that the the kids were there thinking that that's where the the ashtray you know that was for their help their <laughs> cell phones. <laughs> well, well, that's a good that's a good sign. That's a that's a positive. Thing. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I can remember going to uh, uh, when. Uh, Gosh, this wasn't that long ago. This is maybe 20 years ago. Well, I guess that is long ago. Um, but the uh, Philip Morris Company has their headquarters in uh, Richmond, Virginia, just outside of Richmond, and uh, that's where they make all the Marlboro cigarettes. Okay. And they have they have kind of a uh, 
uh, screening room where they show they show movies, and it's the it's the very last movie theater I'd ever been in where they allowed smoking uh, in a, during a screening, and they <laughs> they did have those gigantic. I mean, they were like dinner plate sized uh, ashtrays with a with a the clamshell that opened up to drop the extra ashes in. Um, and my, I, I took, I had taken my son, who was about I don't know ten or twelve at the time, to watch it, and he just kept playing with the uh, with the ashtray because I don't think he'd ever seen one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was trying to explain to my uh, to my daughter not long ago how the you know that restaurants used to have a a smoking section a non smoking section divided by a curtain yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> in some cases a curtain sometimes they're just with nothing you know and she couldn't believe that you know that, oh yeah uh, or, or or trying to explain that there was a smoking section on an airplane when the whole thing was sealed <laughs> and the wind you know the the air would be just <laughs> everything was back a in yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, we're very grateful to be out of those times. It's just, uh, uh, as a, as a long time, well, long ago, uh, bartender, I do not miss the, uh, the smoky rooms anymore, but, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how, how different a world it is. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. wow. Well, uh, well, this is a, another interesting uh, moment of the past and we'll, we'll be getting into some more, uh, a little bit of more blackboard work tomorrow. And, uh, I think coming up with a, a more famous phrase, so we'll see how, how that turns up, uh, but we'll, we'll be back here. In the meantime, for for folks uh, coming coming into this, and thank you for be, for being back after our hiatus. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, we are always available on the uh, on the social medias of Facebook, being at uh, the Apollo Thirteen um, Minute Mission Control, and on uh, Twitter. And uh, the Twitters are at uh, Apollo Thirteen Minute. That's Apollo One Three Minute. It's, it's out there. Uh, if you are, if you'd like to hear this uh, delivered to you regularly, uh, try to uh, subscribe to us, please, on either uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Play or wherever you use your podcast. Your, your, pod, your podcatcher, excuse me, uh, probably has us. I think we're also on Spotify and a couple of other re- uh, regular places. Tune in, one of those things. And check us out. Just look at, search for Apollo 13 minutes. Subscribe, and you can hear us each and every day on Monday through Friday. So uh, until next time, it looks like we're coming up on uh, Lost the Signal in about 30 seconds, so we will see you here Wednesday on the Apollo 13 Minute.